Um, everybody ready for the word? Everybody shout word time. Shout it again, word time. Book of Acts chapter number five, verses number one is going to be our foundational text for today. Acts chapter number five, verses number one. Before we get started, let's make our declaration of faith. Lift your Bible or your electronic device above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Amen. Book of Acts, chapter number five. Uh, we're going to begin at verses number one. The Bible declares, now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Three declares, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that, you, that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but man, you lied to God. Verse number five declares, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Y'all know folks like still dying in the New Testament. <laughs> Some folks look at stories like this and they're like, oh, that's, that's under the law. <laughs> no, we in Acts now. A great fear sees all who heard what happened. Seven declares, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Wow. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I want to thank you so much for uh, just your great grace and your mercy and what you continue to challenge us and stretch us with. Because ultimately, God, you want us to be better. You want us to be better. Thank you for, for being a God that, that's not just satisfied with your children being how we are. But God, you see so much greater for us, so much better for us, and you're provoking us, challenging us, prodding and pushing us to be all that we can be for you. And we thank you for that. So during this moment, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the very meditations of my heart, that they are acceptable in your sight on today. I thank you and I bless you now. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say, amen. All right, let's do it. So I want to start with this thought um, that is a real concept, uh, sometimes misused, but it's, it's a real concept called spiritual abuse. Everybody shout spiritual abuse. Now, before I define what spiritual abuse is, I do want to highlight what it is not. Um, spiritual abuse is not administering church discipline. It's, it's, not, it's not church discipline. God commanded the church to administer church discipline for the purpose of maintaining purity in belief and practice and for correcting as well as restoring sinning Christians. Um, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, he got a situation going on where this brother is sleeping with his stepmother, with his father's wife. And um, it's not like he fell, you know, 
man, oh man, Pastor, it's like, man, I don't know, it just, it just happened. No, they're like in a, 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 a ongoing relationship. And the whole church know about it. So here is what the Apostle Paul would say. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 and 2, he says, put this man out the church. <laughs> Get rid of him. Put him out of your fellowship. Now, what's interesting, because if you this brother and you get put out of the church because you're sleeping around, you would say you experience church hurt. But the reality is your sin is hurting the church. Your, your sin is hurting. It's hurting the church. What do, you, what do you mean it's hurting the church? Whenever there is open sin in the church that's not corrected, it gives license to other to dive into their own uh, 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 sinful activities. It opens up portals to demons. It, it strips the church of its power. And what, what should be a beacon light for the community uh, soon dies out and becomes irrelevant whenever there's open sin in the church that's not corrected. So when it comes to church discipline, that's not spiritual abuse. That's necessary. It's just like correcting your own children. Come, it's not abuse when you correct your children. I say, no, you can't go here. No, you can't do that. My parents mean, no, your parents care. Spiritual abuse is not rejecting a person's incorrect the theological beliefs. The church must evaluate those who teach the Bible to other church members and reject incorrect interpretations and false teaching. Um, Paul speaks to this in 2 Timothy 3 and 8. He says, just as Johnese and Jambres oppose Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. Everybody shout, you must reject them. Understand, Paul is saying not just rejecting their teaching, but when someone is bent on teaching something that's false, you shouldn't just reject their teaching, but you must also reject them. But they will not go, verse number nine, but they will not go very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. So Paul is saying not only do you reject them, but you reject them openly. You mark those individuals. He's going to say in another place that you mark those individuals who have strong faith that are following the things of God. By the same token, he's saying you should mark those individuals so you know we shy away from them. It's quiet up in here. <laughs> Y'all like, I should have invited you last Sunday. So spiritual abuse is not discipline, man. It's not correcting false doctrine. Here is what spiritual abuse is. Spiritual abuse is the use of religious words or acts to manipulate someone for personal gain. That's, that's spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse is any misuse of scripture whereby truth is twisted to achieve a personal agenda. I, I, take, I take the scripture. <laughs> <laughs> I take the scripture and I twist it, yeah, to make it mean something that it doesn't necessarily mean, but it fits my agenda. Spiritual abuse is putting confidence in your position of authority and your perceived right to use those under your influence to accomplish your own personal agenda. Here are some examples of what spiritual abuse really is. The pastor who uses guilt or greed to compel attendance, financial giving, or service. Ought to be a shame of y'all selves. Won't come into the house of the Lord. The pastor that uses guilt, shame, to try to prod people to do things that he wants them to do. Here's an example. The spiritual leader who takes emotional 
or sexual advantage of a counselee in the name of comfort or compassion. That's abuse. The religious people who accuse those who disagree with them of being rebellious against God. <laughs> yeah, every time you make a decision, anybody who opposes your decision, now they, they fight God. Well, what if you're wrong? Spiritual abuse. The ministry head who demands absolute, unquestioned obedience, no matter what, whether reasonable or not, whether biblical or not. That's spiritual abuse. And here's, the, here, here, here's what the enemy tries to do with the souls and the house who abuse the people of God. His agenda is to confuse you, ah, to confuse the God of the man with the man of God. So when you see the, 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 this disheartening activity of the man of God, you start distrusting the God of the man. And how many know God is perfect, but sometimes his children are crazy? So when spiritual abuse, what the enemy wants you to do is become disheartened. You lose your faithfulness. And the reality is there's some of you all that have experienced this type of abuse in your past. And you're still suffering and you're still hurting. And because I know that, watch this. As I approached um, last week's message, as well as this week, I approached it with a sense of trepidation um, because there are certain ministers that have used these same texts that I preached from last week and this week to, to put you in bondage, to, to, to guilt you into giving, to guilt you into serving, to guilt you into showing up. Now, now I purposely didn't read... Uh, Joshua chapter number 7, verse number 24, what happened to Achan? Because you know the story of Achan. Um, God, God tells the people, I'm going to give you the entire land. And halfway through their conquest, he allows them to, to conquer 31 kingdoms. But he says, the first kingdom I want you to give to me. The, the very first kingdom, I don't want you to touch it. There's a man by the name of Achan. He, he st steals some of the garments, some of the silver, some of the gold, hides it in his tent. This is what happened to my man. Joshua chapter number 7, verse number 24. The Bible declares, then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, everybody, cattle, donkeys, sheep, his tent, <laughs> all that he had together to the valley of Achor. And you know what they did to him? Then all Israel stoned him. <laughs> and after they had stoned him, the rest, they burned them. So if you are, have a healthy respect for a particular leader, maybe he led you to the Lord. Maybe he helped you out financially during a, a challenging time. Maybe he helped you through a bad relationship. He helped you restore your marriage. And now he's standing in the pulpit saying, you better give. You don't want to be like Achan. <laughs> Come on now, talk to me, y'all. Watch this, sis. You don't want the Lord to stone you, do you? Give me them earrings then. <laughs> she finna take them off. That's abuse, girl. Now, real talk, some of y'all have experienced that before. Sitting, sitting, where, 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 where a leader, because they felt they were so anointed, they were above the law. And they were challenging you. This was crazy because I'm a pastor and I see stuff behind the scenes that a lot of folk don't see. There are times when a leader challenges you to do something they ain't even doing. Count your tithing, they ain't even tithing. Telling you to give and they ain't even giving. Telling you to live holy and they sleeping around. Come on, somebody. Craziness that's happening. 
And so when I'm approaching this particular text, I'm like, God, you're going to have to help me because that, that, this, this is, when, when I grew up in ministry, when I grew up, thank God for my mentors, thank God for those around me, they warned me against three pitfalls of ministers, power, money, and sex, power, money, and sex. Keep yourself sexually pure. Maintain integrity about yourself sexually. When it comes to finances, be open. One of the board members said, we got, we got to meet every month about the money. We sure do. Because the devil is alive, won't now one of y'all be accusing me of stealing nothing. Here are the books right here. <laughs> this is what we do. And you know, I thank God for I thank God for a board. I thank God for a church who trusts my judgment. But at the end of the day, the more trust you gain, the more open and transparent you've got to become. So I'm warned against uh, uh, sex, uh, sexual um, integrity, I'm, uh, having, uh, uh, not having sexual integrity. I'm warned against financial corruption. I'm also warned against abusing my power just because you're the man of God. You got to be careful as you continue to grow in power, as you continue to grow in grace, and, and, and you, you start seeing the, the immediate results of your prayers. You start seeing the immediate results when you command something to happen, it manifests, and you, you, you start getting beside yourself. Thank God for good leadership that trained me and taught me. And then by the same token, let me go ahead and say this. If, if, if you in here and you feel like, if you feel like that I've been abusive to you, pull me to the side and let's have a conversation so either A, I can explain, or B, I can apologize. Because I don't want to cripple your faith. I don't want to cripple your faith in God. Are y'all with me in this place? So when I looked at this particular text, I'm like, so what's the purpose of judgment scriptures? Everybody, everybody asks that question. What's the purpose of judgment scriptures? That wasn't everybody. Y'all just sitting there like, get to the good part, Reb. <laughs> this is good. I don't care what y'all say. Everybody shout, what's the purpose of judgment scriptures? I mean, real talk, if they there, because some of y'all don't even read them. You be like, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming, blessed going, blessed in, blessed out, blessed, 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 blessed. But later on, they say cursed in the city. <laughs> now, we don't read that part there. Let's stay away from that. Open up the windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing. But, but we don't hear nothing about the devourer and, and all that kind of stuff. We want to hear the good stuff, but he just put good stuff in there. <laughs> he put some stuff in there to check us as well. So I want to know what's up with the judgment scriptures. This is what the Bible declares in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse 16. Paul says, I love it too. All, everybody shout all scripture. Paul says all scripture is God-breathed, watch this, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God, the man of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we just don't teach the New Testament and the Psalms. <laughs> we don't just teach the Pauline epistles. We don't just teach the Gospels. We don't just teach the Pentateuch, the five first book. We teach the, everybody shout, all scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, that's what we teach. Because the Bible declares that all of it, come on somebody. All of it is good for everybody shall teaching, everybody shall rebuking. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, sometimes you do need some rebuking. Tell her, you might need it right now. Just, you just, 
Ooh, some of y'all looked at y'all spouse and said that. <laughs> some of you are like, get him, Reb, get him. I've been trying to tell him, get him. It's good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and watch this. I love this, training. I use the word of God to train me, to train my mind, to train the way that I'm thinking. So if that's what it's used for, it shouldn't be used for shaming. You got to be careful as ministers. That's easy to do. It shouldn't be used for as a form of intimidation. It shouldn't be used for fear. Now watch this. Can the Spirit of God provoke either a reverence or a fear out of the word? Absolutely. But when you, when you, when you intentionally, come on somebody, go to a scripture to try to provoke fear in somebody, that is manipulation and it is spiritual abuse. And I know individuals that'll go to particular texts because they're trying, to, they're trying to manifest a certain emotion out of you. That ain't your job, preacher. Man, just preach the word and let the Holy Ghost do what he do. You don't be the Holy Ghost. Be the servant and then let God be God. Can somebody say amen to that? So when I look at this particular text, Acts chapter number 5, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Look here. The Bible declares, now a man named Ananias together with his wife Sapphira also sold a piece of property. We're going to go put it in context in just a minute. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Look what, look what Peter's going to say. Man, why you let the devil get in your head? Look at this. He says, verse number 4, didn't it belong to you before you sold it? And after you sold it, it was at your disposal to do whatever you wanted to do with it. Why are you going to give half but act like you gave the whole thing? If you wanted to give half, just give half. If you wanted to give 25, just give 25. Don't lie. You didn't just lie. Oh, my God. You didn't lie to me. You lied to so, Pastor, why, 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 are you, why are you dealing with this? I'll tell you why I'm dealing with this, because we're getting ready to have a giving day. Everybody shout December 18th. Put that beautiful property on the screen. Can we make some noise? We, <laughs> this is so good. So, so here it is. We, we, most of you guys know on Thursday we got approval to go ahead and build what we want to build on the property. I believe this Tuesday or Wednesday we will we'll close on the building. So the finances have already been secured to acquire the pop property. But this is what I'm believing God for. The buildings, we're going to build them cash money, y'all. Every building, we, gonna, we ain't taking out another loan. Praise the Lord. I rebuke loan, other loans in Jesus' name. We're going to build them cash money. We're going to give the community an opportunity to sow into what it is. And it's so amazing. I've had people already come up to me and say, my thousand is good. I'm like, well, praise him. Praise him. On the pastor's trip, I'm out there with the pastors, and I'm just telling them what I'm doing, and they just start making pledges right there. You, got, you can count on me. I'm, I'm giving this much. I'm giving. I'm like, man, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. So this is what I want to do, because I love you. I love you. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, pastor love us. I really do, man. So I'm trying to help some Achans and Achanites. Achanites. Man, because I, I don't want you to set your own self up. How can you set yourself up when it comes to giving? Number one, you lie to yourself. Number two, you lie to your spouse. Number three, you lie to God. How does that work? When you lie to yourself, you try to give something you know you can't afford. 
I mean, you love pastors so much. You love the EMCC. You see, listen, you see vision. You see need. And you're like, man, I'm going to stretch on out, man. I'm going to bless the man of God. I'm going to bless the kingdom of God. And then, and this has actually happened. You give a big seed, but then you ask me to pay your light bill next month. You know what you did? You lied to yourself. You know you couldn't afford to give that. Now watch this. I know what it's like. Here's, here's, the, here's the juxtaposition. I know what it's like for God to challenge me to give what I know I can't afford, and then he make me trust him. Yeah. Now, now, I've been there before, but I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about you just extend yourself beyond what you know you can do, and you wind up putting yourself in a bad situation, and now your family looking at me crazy. Looking at what I'm driving. Looking at where I'm living. Yeah, I see where your seed going. I see where your money going. The devil is a liar. Let me go ahead and deal with that so I can deal with it. Why you pastor and do business? So I can live how I want to live? <laughs> so I can drive how I want to drive? So when I want to go on vacation at the last minute, I can? So don't lie to yourself. And number two, don't lie to your spouse. I'm trying to. <laughs> I know it's, it's some good-hearted people. I'm just trying to keep you out of trouble with, like, listen, listen with God and man. So here, this is powerful right here. This is, it's, it's crazy. I, I felt, I just felt it. I, I don't believe that God was just saying it, but I just, I just felt moved to sow this particular seed. I really did feel moved to sow this particular seed. And I told my wife about it. And I wanted to come in the group. She's like, mm, we ain't doing that. I'm like, babe, but I just. And I held up and I didn't do it because we wasn't on one accord with it. Because put, put your hand in. The blessing is on one accord, y'all. The blessing is when, listen, uh, because the reality, and so it's not my money, it's not her money, it's our money. It's not my money, it's not her money, it's our money. So we're going to take our money and we're going to sow seed in good ground. Are y'all with me in this place? And it was a significant seed, and it's not that I got a problem with that because I've been asked to do other things that I have done that I, that I told her later, but I knew it was going to be all right, okay? So here's when you lie to your spouse. When y'all are not on one accord and you sow a seed and you got to hide the seed from him. Come on, don't do that. Don't do that. Or her, because now your wife mad at me or your husband mad at me. Because let me tell you, when you give money to the church, <laughs> they see Greg. <laughs> I, don't care what, I don't care what you say. Come on, somebody. And I know what the scripture said, but at the end of the day, they see Reb. And the money don't go to me. It don't go to me. We got a board of elders who oversee everything financially. I do not have the liberty to just take this money out and just do whatever I want to do. No, the board oversees the finances, and we give a report of what's going on with the money every single month. Are y'all with me in this place? So I don't want you to lie to yourself and give more than what you can. I don't want you to lie to your spouse. Finally, I don't want you to lie to God. Don't lie to God. Now, I, I, I've never addressed this, but I want to address this because some of y'all have before. So when I'm up ministering, usually whenever there's a conference or something, special event, God, God like gives me numbers, and that's just how he works with me. He don't work with everybody like that, but he works with me. Usually I know Who's going to give what? I don't know the individuals that's going to give, but I know who's going to give what. Um, and so I'll call out those numbers. The, the last conference I got, God put this in my spirit. He said, two people going to give 250. Seven people going to give 100. Ten people going to give $50. God put that in my spirit. 
Two people gonna give 250. Seven gonna give, seven gonna give 100. 10 people gonna give $50. So I just made the announcement. And it, it, it didn't even take 10 minutes. And the people, they stood up and they said, I'm, I'm doing the 250. Seven people, actually it was eight people. It was the eighth person that sta stepped up and said that I'm doing 100. And exactly 10 people stood up and said, I'm gonna do $50. Now, when they counted the money in the back, it didn't add up. It didn't add up. Now watch this, watch this. I ain't tripping, hunt them down like, oh, did, did, nah, nah, let's see, you stood up. <laughs> and you stood up. No, no, we ain't do that because that's on, that's on them and God. But here's the deal. Nobody made you stand up and say, I'm giving 250, I'm giving 100, I'm giving, nobody made you. The, the, the I intentionally do the most non-pressure offering possible. God says, give this, those who are going to give, stand. If the two don't stand, I'm moving on. If the seven don't stand, I'm moving on. At the end of the day, watch this, I trust God and not folk. Let me say it plainly. I trust God to meet my needs and not people. Because if you trust God, and that's why some, let me go ahead and deal with that. That's why some of y'all are stuck in some relational deals because you're sowing seed into somebody expecting to reap a harvest from them and not God. Like, I put all this in you, and I gave you all this. And when I'm in need, you can't, hold on, now. Who, who you depending on? Who you leaning on? Was your trust in them and sowing seed, or was it in God? Because what God will cause you to do, he'll cause you to sow a seed here, but you'll reap a harvest over there. But some of y'all are stuck, can't reap a harvest, because you're trying, to, you're trying to dictate a harvest out of a place that you sowed seed. When the Bible declares, God is the Lord of the harvest. Well, y'all with me in this place. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't lie to yourself. If you marry, no, just, I'm going to leave your married folk alone. Just look at somebody else and tell them, don't lie to God. That's, that's, what, that's what Ananias and Sapphira did. Now, let me, let me show you this because this is crazy. This is too crazy. In Acts chapter number 4, verse number 32, the, the story that, um, that comes before this Ananias and Sapphira story, the Bible declares all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. That there were no needy persons among them for from time to time. Everybody shout from time to time. So it, it was like a grace giving happening. From time to time, those who owned the land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is, this is so powerful. Um, this happened just last night. I was on the phone with one of my buddies at the church, just kind of meditating. He not even knowing that I'm, I'm ministering on this particular story. And um, he's telling me they have this particular issue that's going on, and he needed to raise like five or $6,000, something like that. And he said that he, you know, did like a little campaign in his church, and he had people, you know, making pledges. He said he got a phone call from a guy that says, hey, I'm going to pay for the whole thing. I'm getting ready to sell a property. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm going to sell this property, and once I close, I'm bringing, and I'm going to bring the check and pay for the whole thing that you guys are raising the money for. So this is not communism. This is not, in, in Uno, this, this is a stupid card. In Uno, I hate this card. It's called, it's called reshuffle. It's a wild card, the reshuffle. And when you put that down, you can be on two, getting ready to get, you know, Uno. And you have to put all your cards, shuffle them, and give them equal. I hate that card. 
I'm gonna call the Uno folk. <laughs> we need to snatch that out the deck. That's not what's going on where they're trying to equal the playing fields. No, what's happening is you have some wealthy saints, you have some saints that are well thought, that are well off, have extra property. They're not even using it. I'm gonna sell this property because I see two things. I see number one, vision. Number two, I see need. Everybody shout vision. Everybody shout need. I see vision and I see deed. I got this property laying here. I ain't even doing nothing. I got this car here. I ain't even doing it. I'm selling it and I'm bringing the property so that there will be no need amongst the people of God. So there's this particular guy, whoo, Barnabas, verse number 34, that he's highlighted in particular. Um, 36 declares Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle Apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. That's the end of chapter number four. Then we pick up in chapter number five, and that's the story of Ananias Sapphira. So there is giving, I'm talking about liberal giving going on, and instead of them just being true to themselves, we got this property, we only want to give half, they lie to them, they lie to God about the property. Don't lie about it. Don't lie about it. Now, this is what's amazing. Um, we talked about the law of harvest a couple of weeks ago, and we said you reap what you sow in proportion to the quality of the seed sown. Now, this was crazy. These people, chapter number four, they're taking seed, they're sowing it into the ministry. The needs of the ministry are being met. This is what you don't see. You can see vision, and you can see need, but you don't always know how God's going to meet your need with your seed. <laughs> Man, that's so good. I just want to run right now, sis. I said it's easy for you to see vision, even in this church. It's easy for you to see need, what we're trying to do. What you don't always see is how God's going to meet your need with your seed. I mean, let's, let's be real. Let's be real. How many of you all know what it's like to be in a season of plenty, but then you become, you move into a season of drought? You know what I'm saying? You in a season where, I mean, you just got it going on. I mean, you just writing checks and you just writing checks, you just writing checks, and then, and then you go through a season where you want to write a check, but your pen be like, you bet not. You bet not. So these people in chapter number four, they're in a season of wealth. They're in a season of plenty. What happens in chapter number 11, a famine comes. And look what God does in chapter number 11, verse number 27. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. This is so good. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would sp spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. 29 declares, the disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea, in particular Jerusalem. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Now, now watch this. Chapter number four. They're selling land with extra money. They're giving it. And they're blessing. And the Bible declares that there's no need because the people of God are doing what they can to meet the need. Everybody shout, do what you can to meet the need. Do it. Let, 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 me, let me pause there for a second because this is, I, I, I'm believing God to be, I'm, 
me personally to be a storehouse. That's, that's what I want to be. I, I personally, is that anybody else's prayer? I, I want to be the Joseph in my generation amongst my family that when famine does strike, come on somebody, I'm in a position to help and to bless. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so th this is what I see a lot of times and um, Paul's going to talk about this, I believe in one of the Corinthians where he says that a man that doesn't provide for his own house is worse than an infidel. But what Paul does is he expands that and he says not just your immediate family, but your extended family as well. So this is what we wind up doing. We send extended family and sometimes immediate family. We send them to the church, we send them to agencies, we send, you need to go over there, they'll do this, they'll do that. When God says, what about you? Why are you not helping? You always point people in directions where they can get help. When are you gonna be? I'm telling you, God is trying to raise you up to be the help. The question is, like, do you want it? Do you want to be the help, or do you want to be the one that's getting the handout for the rest of your life? Because the scripture says that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. But some of y'all are like, uh-uh. <laughs> no, it ain't. <laughs> it feel good receiving. Huh. I want the scripture declares, watch this, give and it shall be given, good measure, pressed down, shaken up together, running over, shall what? Men given to your, you know what's two men in that scriptures? The first man is the one that God challenges to give. The second man is the one that God has already given money in reserve and just given him the okay who to give it to. <laughs> I want to be the second man. That God trusts with an inheritance, that God trusts us with resources so that when somebody responds to the voice of God, I'm the one who God says, okay, give it to, are y'all with me in this place? So these individuals in chapter number four, they are giving and they are sowing. When we get to chapter number 11, this is crazy, a famine hits the land, but it doesn't hit the people of God in Jerusalem. Because you know what happens? Prophet Agabus prophesies and tells them in advance that a famine is coming. So you know what they start doing? The people of God outside of Jerusalem who saw them giving and sowing seed decided to go ahead and raise money and meet the needs before the famine even came. So although they were living in famine, they were not, not in a famine themselves. They sowed a seed in chapter number four, reaped a harvest in chapter number 11. Here's my question. I wonder what need... God's going to meet with your seed. This is my seed that I'm sowing today in good ground. And I know I'll receive a harvest in the area in my life that I need it most. It's crazy because when God gets ready to meet the need, when God gets ready to, to, to give you a return, when he gets ready to give you a harvest, God knows where your need is before you know. And what I love about God, just because you sow apple seeds don't mean you get an apple tree. Come on, somebody. God says, I'm going, you might sow money, but it might show up relationship. You might sow money, but it might show up in a job opportunity. You might show, you might sow money, but it might show up in favor in the schools. God always meets the need when you sow a seed. So there's no, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. Oh, God. Man, <laughs> when the Bible declares he loves a cheerful giver, I believe that. So we should keep the atmosphere cheerful. 
There's no dictation. I ain't, I ain't prophesying talking, but you're going to fall dead if you don't give. <laughs> We're going to stone you if you don't give. The devil is absolutely a liar. No. December 18th, it's up to you and God. I'm just challenging you as your pastor, just be obedient to whatever he speaks into your spirit. My wife and I, we hadn't prayed yet, but we're going to get together and we're just going to pray. We're just going to believe God. We're going to ask God, what do you want us to give? And that's what you should do. That's exactly what it was funny. I was in the service. I was in the service um, service a couple, couple of weeks ago, and a guy asked for $10,000. Well, I knew that wasn't me because I ain't have it like that to give right there. I just, you know, I, I, I just didn't have it right there to give like that. So, you know, he sat there. He said $10,000. But this is what I didn't do. I didn't throw stones at him for asking because somebody gave it. <laughs> that wasn't my number. <laughs> but somebody, and you, be, you, you have to watch your spirit. Look at Reb up there asking for 10000 Well, God gave it to him. God knows it's in the house. And the person who watched it, the person who has it and challenged to give, they stepped up. He asked for a thousand. Well, I happen to have a thousand dollars in my pocket. Just happen to have a thousand dollars in my pocket. And I asked God, God, is this my this my number? This me? And I felt okay, and so I gave it. I'm not finna feel inferior to the guy that gave ten thousand. Neither am I gonna feel superior because I gave a thousand and somebody else gave a hundred. No. You got to give at your level of obedience and at your level of sacrifice. Are y'all with me in this place? So this is what I want to do. I'm, I'm done. God is so good. Hey, come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Can we do it? Hmm. This is what God told me to do. He told me to pray for healing for spiritual abuse. I trust you, God. Pray for healing for spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse. For pastors and leaders that were souls that manipulated you. Manipulated you. Financially took advantage of you. There have been situations where it was even sexual. A lady came into my office years ago and I just found it crazy that's like, why is it so hard for her to just do right? She, she just, she just, I mean, she buck against everything. Like, it ain't even necessary for the stuff she buck against. I, I don't know. And then sat, one day she sat down and told me her story. She went in her pastor's office. Her pastor told her to take her clothes off. crazy joker tried to use scripture to support what he was, the abuse that he was giving. Yeah. Some of y'all have been in services where if you don't show up one Sunday, people looking at you crazy like, oh, where you been? That's abuse. That's, that's abuse. And here I am as a pastor, and man, I promise you, I'm trying to do right, I'm trying to live right, trying to be right, man. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And what I realize is I have some people, um, it's like my wife and I, when we first got married, because of the abuse in her past, the sexual abuse, it affected our intimate moments. 
And it took a minute for her to finally realize that I'm not them. <laughs> she would say, all they wanted was my body. I couldn't lie, I want your body. <laughs> but I want you. When we done, I ain't getting up and I ain't going nowhere. I'll be right here. And sometimes as a pastor, man, it is hard, it is hard, it is hard leading people who have been abused, abandoned, mistreated by leadership because you always, you're looking at me and you're waiting on me to resemble what you came from under. And so, this is not that. Look at your neighbor today, but this is not that. It's not that. This is not that. One of the things I'm proud to say, every pop, every word that come across this platform, I'm the first recipient of it. I'm the first one to be challenged with it. I'm the first one. So, so these messages that you hear from Sunday to Sunday, first of all, the calendar is, is planned out of what I'm going to preach. But I start, I start navigating, I start diving into this, even while I was away. I, I had called Elder Yaffer, and I told Yafrika two weeks ago, go ahead and start praying. I gave her this text, and I told her, start preparing. Go ahead and start preparing. I want you to preach. Before I left Monday, God started talking to me. And watch this. As he's talking to me, he's also challenging me. This, this message, even for Greg, it was a warning. You're doing good. Keep doing good. Don't slide down that scale. Don't you do it. You trust me. Watch this. Watch this. I don't care if nobody don't give December 18th. I still got to trust God. You know how you spell faith? You know how you spell faith? R-I-S-S. Every single time I step out, it's a risk. <laughs> every single time we get ready to purchase something, every single time, it's, it, it would have been easier for me to prophesy financial favor in November, about November in December, after the testimonies. How are you going to step out two months before and prophesy it's going to happen? Bam. And some of y'all testified last week. Already more testimonies of God doing supernatural things in this month already. You know what that's called? It's called risk. Pastor, what if you speak it and nothing happens in November? I just trust God. What if you launch out and buy this property with expectation that people are going to give and nobody gives? Here was a big one for me. What if you walk away from your job and people leave the church? Y'all do know, like, I don't have, like, a contract on, number, on none of y'all. <laughs> you understand? Like, like it, now, it would be cool, man. It would be so cool if y'all sign a contract. I'm going to be here every Sunday faithful at 1025. <laughs> I ain't got no contract. So with all of this stuff we're acquiring, y'all can leave today and never come back. Faith is spelled risk. You know what? For God, I'm willing to take the risk. For God, I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to take the risk. And I'm just challenging somebody when God speaks to you. Is it going to be a risk? Absolutely. Absolutely. You're going to have to stand on faith and stand on the word of God. But it's worth the risk. And for some of you all, God is challenging you concerning your guards. It's hard for you to really follow this leader because of 
baggage with previous leaders. God says today, I want to heal your heart. I want to heal your heart. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to see who I'm talking to. Where you at?